Hi, and welcome to Everything Theatre's podcast, where we chat to the creatives involved in bringing you some of the amazing theatre we get to enjoy. Find out how exciting new shows come together and listen to the behind the scenes stories from directors, musicians, producers, and more. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. This week, I'm talking to Lizzie Hushkinson and you and more. Um, they have a show called Battersea Bardo coming to new the studio at New Wimbledon Theatre, 14th, 21st September. You and Lizzie, love to meet you both. Do you want to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your theatre? <laughs> Hello, so yeah, hi, I'm Ewan and I am a a songwriter, a writer, a composer who has for as long as I can remember absolutely loved creating live theatre and specifically, I don't really know why, wanted to do that with songs, I guess because I my brain is very musical as well as very uh, much to do with words, so I write words and music and what feels most natural to me is to put them both together to explore characters and situations and stories. Lizzie? Lovely. And I'm Lizzie and I'm, well, I'm directing Battersea Bardot, but I'm also um, an actor, writer and producer. Um, so I do a little bit of everything. This is my first musical I've directed, but it will be my second one person production which is really exciting um I trained as an actor at Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts and I've been kind of creating my own work ever since um I run my own theatre company Salt Soul Theatre um through which I kind of mainly focus on political social stories and I think that's what really kind of like captured my imagination about Battersea Bardot that it's based on a true story and through that also addresses lots of different kind of like issues of the time, but also I think that really can carry forward to where we are today. Brilliant. All right, let's talk about Battersea Bardo then, obviously, which is your show coming that you're working together on. Who and what is Battersea Bardo then? Well, it is the story of a 1960s, it's a real life story of a 1960s London movie star whose name was Carol White. Now, if she's remembered at all, it's most likely for the television drama Kathy Come Home, which is still regularly cited as one of the most influential television dramas of all time. Uh, this was Ken Loach's um, television film in which... Carol White starred as Kathy, and it raised, it was, I mean, very much like a lot of Ken Loach stuff, it's about social issues, and it's really about homelessness and how one could end up on that slippery slide to homelessness through a succession of circumstances that aren't necessarily the fault of one's self. You know, you find yourself in situations and deal with them, and Carol White was the star of that drama, which millions of people watched on the BBC, uh, caused huge conversations in Parliament debates, the, the launching of homelessness charities, uh, was also very controversial because it blurred the lines between documentary and drama and was also very much not the kind of thing that had been seen as a drama on the BBC very much up until that point. You know, it was not uh, high production values, uh, posh people in live I mean I'm exaggerating but it very much followed on from that kind of real work real rise of gritty working class 
drama about real lives, about what it was actually like to be in Britain at that time, not what people wanted to think it was like, if that makes sense. Um, and Carol White was, uh, that catapulted her to fame and stardom very quickly. She'd been a jobbing actress up till that point, started as a child star, had been in various films with 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 quite a few famous people, actually, but that was the thing that caught people's imagination. That led to a succession of uh, roles that took her to Hollywood and to a career that started to go very badly wrong very quickly, rather sadly, and she struggled to cope with it. Um, so, yeah, this, in a way, this show is her story or an element of her story. Why was she called Betsy Bardot? I mean, is, is it because cause there was a film made about her life, wasn't there, in the 90s? Um, is that where that phrase come from? Or was that a phrase that was used prior to that? No, the phrase dates back to even actually just before Kathy come home uh, back in the mid-1960s. She wasn't actually from Battersea. She was from London, but she was from Hammersmith. And she... Before um, Kathy Come Home, she was in a previous Ken Loach gritty television drama called Up the Junction, which is also fairly famous, fairly well known. That was more of an ensemble piece. There wasn't one single lead, but she was one of maybe three or four main characters. And because she had a bit of a look of Brigitte Bardot about her, and because Up the Junction was set around Battersea Clapham area, the press dubbed her the Battersea Bardot and the name stuck. And as she says in our show, you know, once you've got a name from the press, you hold on to it for dear life because that's, you know, then you've got something to that people can identify you as. It's a great marketing gimmick. So it seemed the natural thing for the name for this show. Uh, as for the 1990s film, it's actually like a half an hour, 45 minute Channel 4 television drama which I have seen, it's quite hard to get hold of now. Uh, it's fairly obscure. But yeah, our show isn't directly related to that in any way. So what drew you to the story of Carol White in the first place? Have you always had an interest in, in her from sort of previous works or was it something that come up more recently? Uh, I, I realise I'm talking a lot, but this is all the stuff that before Lizzie comes into the story. We'll <laughs> So I've always written musical theatre, as I said, and I had been looking around for an idea for a show. And I always have about 15, 20 ideas percolating at the back of my mind. And I work on different ones for a bit and then think, no, I'm not getting anywhere with this and put them to one side and work on something else. And gradually, Carol White's story came to, to the top of the pile. I was looking to do something biographical because... I'd never done that before, and it just seemed like a really interesting challenge. And her story, to me, there was something about it that was really universal. And one of the things I really like to do when writing is find the universal in the particular. So you, you, you take a story or a character and you think, well, really, what resonates about this that, that people can relate to and for me carol white's story is first and foremost about something i think we all face whoever we are which is what we want to do with our lives and what happens if the thing we want comes true and doesn't quite 
match up to what we think it was going to be because we all have this idea of what life's going to be like and then we go out into the world each day and try and follow those things through and have to deal with the consequences of that and it's very rarely quite how we imagined it was going to be and we've all got into situations relationships jobs where we think I thought this was going to be great and now I'm not quite sure how to handle it because it's not quite what I what I was expecting and there was a massive poignancy to her story, which just is such a human story. It's, it's both a sad story and a triumphant story because she's somebody who, who set out to do something and succeeded in doing it. She became a film star from a working class London background. Her dad was uh, owned a scrapyard. Um, she didn't come in any way from a theatre background and she set out to do this from a very early age and she did it but she also found that as many performers and in particular female performers found then and still find it's a world that's full of people who will stab you in the back who will manipulate you who will say one thing and do another thing and quite often sadly as well it's it's the men who get away with these things so there was a I just found when I was writing it in the early stages, I watched a TV documentary about Lindsay Lohan. And I thought, this is Carol's story. This hasn't changed. Nothing about this really has changed. And, but it's also a wonderful time. It's a time that I think of as Britain kind of going from black and white to colour. Uh, our show is set on essentially on one night in 1969, but she is remembering things during that evening so we do jump about in time and it has that whole world of swinging London of um, famous names and fast cars and glamorous nights out on the town um, but it also has the dark underside and that push and pull really really grabbed me. Lizzie how did you get involved in it? I mean did you know the Carol White story beforehand or was this no. sort of your first introduction to it? This is my first introduction to Carol and her story. I'd never even heard of Carol. It's obviously a bit out of my, like, generational Age period range. of time. Be, be <laughs> honest, you're a bit younger than us. I'm a little bit younger. So <laughs> it just wasn't, it's not like an era of film that I have a particular knowledge of or exposure to, I suppose. So Ewan and I kind of just met via Twitter, I suppose. And um and Ewan very kindly came to see my work that I had on at the time and um and then sent me the script. And I think the first thing that drew me to it was that I, I picked it up and as an actor, I felt like desperate to play that part. Now, Carol's 48 at the time that it's set and I'm 24, so we're a few years apart. But I find it very rare that I pick up a contemporary script and feel like an urge to play the part so I just really was kind of drawn to her and her story and um and also drawn to the the way in which you and have presented it as this one woman production I think that's really unusual in musical theatre I think it's something we're seeing a lot of in fringe theatre and I think um that's possibly down to finances it's a lot more financially viable to make one person work these days but I don't think it's something that's being done so much in in musicals so I was kind of intrigued by how how as a director you would 
transition between the time periods, the different characters, and then you've got kind of music scoring that whole um, production. Um, and yeah, I was just really intrigued by this story of this woman who kind of people know, but they don't they don't seem to know everything about her. They don't have a grasp of her life. And no one's really told this story before and no one's told this story through this like form or um, medium or style. So it just captured my imagination. Are you performing in this or are you just directing? No, no. I wish I was performing in this, but I'm just, just directing. Yeah, I, I, I just thought I'd check there. <laughs> just, so I told so. you in, in 20 years, we're going to revive it and I will be playing Carol because it's just such an incredibly written part. Um, but no, we are casting someone else as Carol. I will say the one thing you find with Fringe Theatre, I always think, is that you do get 20-somethings play 50-somethings and 60-somethings. It tends to be the, the the age is always very confusing on Fringe Theatre stage, I think, when there's a big, <laughs> when there's ages, because you don't get a lot of really older actors on Fringe stages that often. So, yeah, I, I have seen shows where the, the mother is younger than the son she's meant to be mother of. <laughs> um, anyway... How that? Um, how are you presenting uh, Carol White to an audience? It is a, is it sort of a walks and all show, or you, is there a, what is what is the way you're? Yeah, what what is it you're hoping the audience will think about her? I would say it's not glorified or glamorized. Definitely, we look at Carol's triumphs and tragedies, and I think it's, in my opinion, a very fair reflection of her life. She did have incredible highs and she had some moments in her career that, you know, every actor would just dream of. But she also had a very, um, I think very difficult home life and personal life. And I think Ewan's writing doesn't shy away from that. And I definitely think that's important, especially when it's a fairly biographical piece to look at all aspects of, of her life. Um, obviously it being a one person show you definitely want the audience to be on side with your lead and only character um, and feel like they're rooting for her and that they yeah that they want they want to spend an hour and a half with her and they want to go on that journey with her but I think also we bring in lots of other characters from her life um, lots of people that she's had quite challenging relationships with um, various kind of like husbands, producers, people like that, that um, came in and out of her life. So I think those characters bring the conflict and I think the audience are going to have that different engagement with those characters, but it obviously comes via Carol and it's all from her perspective of those people and that actor will be embodying those parts. So I think it makes it quite an interesting kind of relationship for the audience and this one actor on stage. But I think Ewan will hopefully agree with me in saying that we present her, I think, fairly. It's not a, it's not a story just full of like love and romance and happy endings. It's quite a um, tragic story, really. Yeah, I would agree with that. It felt very important to me, and this was really the challenge in creating this piece. The biggest challenge was trying to be 
honest and truthful about somebody that obviously I have never known and there's no way I can know. And I have talked, I've done a lot of research. I've talked extensively to people who knew her and worked with her, those who I could get in touch with. We're talking, it's a work way in the past. So sadly, a lot of people aren't around anymore. But I was able to talk to some key figures. But I realized that what I've had to do to make this work is start with Carol White, the person, but then remember that I'm making a piece of theater. I'm not trying to write a biography. So everything in it is is true. I haven't made up anything, but I've had to realize that this is just my interpretation of what she might have been feeling or thinking in any given situation and how she might have responded. And um, I think she's an incredibly sympathetic character because she's very vulnerable and she puts on that front. And it's the putting on of that front that gives her the guts that made her give these incredible performances as an actor. But it's also... That that is the push and pull that makes her very vulnerable, and makes her open to manipulation, and makes gives the story its heart. I think I wanted it to be very, very full of heart, very poignant, and that that was kind of my aim. Why why a musical? I know you said uh, you said at the beginning here that you know you, you've always, you've got an interest in music. Why did you feel this story would work as a musical above all else? She sings is my answer not literally she as far as i know unlike loads of loads of 60s british actresses you'll find they made uh seven inch singles and stuff as far as i've been able to ascertain she never did that but she sings in that sense of the depth of feeling in her the situations the emotions the exhilaration excitement the roller coaster of her journey it just seemed naturally musical to me. And there is a real tradition from that time period of very dramatic British female singers, your Dusty Springfields, Phila Blacks, etc., etc., who who a lot of their big songs are very uh, kind of about relationships, domestic situations. They're very declamatory. They're very theatrical. And... Yeah, that kind of music just seemed to link in my head with the character. So, it, yeah, it, it is very, very musical. I I write musical theatre where one of the things that I, I really love is when you have tunes that are quite uplifting and lyrics that are quite sad. Because I have this theory that people kind of hear tunes when they feel happy and they listen to words when they're feeling down. And if you have songs that have both of those things in them, you get that real poignancy. And if you think of a lot of big songs from that time, they will have really uplifting tunes with 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 lyrics about quite sad situations. So, yeah, it just seemed a natural fit to me. I was talking to um, a lady called Molly O'Gorman recently, actually, and she's um, working on a musical called Ghostlight right now. Mm. And she actually said to me at the time um, that musicals allow you to to put out your characters in a false, in a way you can't do in a, in a non-musical style, which I found really interesting. And, um, yeah, and, and I, I when I watched, I watched her show recently and... I actually saw what she meant because, you know, they were singing about how they were feeling. I thought, actually, when you go and watch a drama, you know, what I'd call a straight drama, 
you don't get that, do you? You can't, you can't, you can't almost, yeah, I suppose you can almost in a monologue, but it's, it's much harder to have someone just talk about how they feel. Whereas if they're singing, it's, it's almost natural, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's kind of that thing of Shakespearean soliloquy, really, which would seem kind of strange if you wrote a play like that now, although we accept that completely in plays from Shakespeare's time. But that the modern equivalent, really, for me, is using song. So I, I think, as you were saying, Lizzie, it's an unusual to have a one-woman show as a musical, um, or any one-person show as a musical. What sort of challenges does that give you from a directing point of view? Is does it make it much harder because you've got work? Yeah, you've you've got a lot, lot less to work with to grab our attention. I think it makes it harder visually. I think you find often in musicals, especially if you're thinking like on a West End scale, you've got huge ensembles and they create this really like visual spectacle, which we, you know, I still want to achieve those visuals, but I have one person on stage. So, you know, when you think in terms of their use of space and choreography and whether we're going to do these big musical numbers, that's something that we definitely, um, that's a hurdle that we're going to have to jump over and, and see what we find. But I think the space, we went to visit the space actually the other day and we saw a really brilliant show, Bad Lads, that was on there. And um, it it has like depth and character to it, that space. So I think that gives us something. It's also not a particularly modern space, which I quite like. It feels like it sits within the era that the musical is set. Um, but definitely there's challenges with a one person piece for that person to have the stamina to present um, that character and that role for an hour and a half. I can tell you from experience that takes a lot of energy. And if you're if you remove the fourth wall, that requires quite a lot of courage from an actor to be able to engage constantly with an audience, um, particularly if you're making eye contact with them and really having those intimate moments, especially in quite a small studio space. Um, but I think it's also really exciting. And when I read the script, I felt like it couldn't possibly be anything else. I, you know, I think Ewan was kind of, I hope I'm right in saying this, Ewan, you were kind of concerned about whether it was the right choice to make it a one person musical and and you know what were the other options was that the right place to go and when I read it I just felt like it couldn't be anything else and it had to be Carol's story and it had to be presented in that way I think particularly you know like she was a woman during a time in which she I think a lot of her life felt dictated by a lot of men and I think it's really interesting that we're able to present all of the characters in her life from her perspective. Obviously that means it's naturally like a story with bias, but it's finally her time to have her story told in her way. And um, if we can do that for Carol and her legacy, then I think that's really beautiful and really important. But obviously it comes, comes with its challenges um, and we have to try and keep it lively and entertaining um especially in those kind of sadder moments um we want to also do justice to carol and the really determined and powerful incredible woman that that she was 
The show, now, the show was, I mean, presented at the British Film Institute back in 2019, which does seem so long ago now, doesn't it? It does. How did that all come about? Well, I mean, to like all these things and like trying to get any theatre going, it's a chain of events that you never really know is where, where it's going to take you, apart from the fact it's always going to take about three times as long as you you think it's going to and you want it to. To cut a long story short, I had been workshopping the show for over a number of years. I was workshopping with one particular performer. We decided that we had workshopped, we'd worked on it so much that we'd like to try and think about presenting it. We looked for a director. We found a director, uh, wasn't Lizzie, a fantastic director called Ralph, who, who worked on that version of it. He, while he was working with us to, to shape the piece, he happened to get a, a job freelancing for the British Film Institute, who were having a series, uh, a film season called Musicals! Exclamation mark, which were, you know, classic uh, movie musicals. Um, and his, his task was to program events around it. So... Uh, quiz nights, that kind of thing, celebrity appearances, Q&As. And he said to us, why don't we approach the BFI and see if they will stage this? This is a musical, and it's about a British film star, a British film star there are, that, that has been championed a couple of times by the BFI. They've published articles about her. They've never really supported live theatre, but it's not their, their their central thing, but they're looking to just have kind of peripheral things that are going in new directions. We said, well, definitely. So he, he went to them. They said, yes, please. We, we would love to support this. We would love you to stage your, your kind of what was essentially a rehearsed reading at the BFI, which we got to do. And it was incredible... We, we did it in one of the uh, cinema spaces there. We were able to just project a couple of images on the screen behind to just give give a setting. And um, it was semi-script in hand. The performer who ended up doing it for that only worked with us for a couple of weeks beforehand. Uh, I learned huge amount about how you structure the piece. There's never anything more valuable than getting something you're writing in front of an audience and seeing how they respond. It's the most valuable thing. They're the missing piece that you can't predict until you get them in the room. So, yeah, and it was it was brilliant. Then, of course, we were hoping to take that and do more with it. And uh, you, we all know what happened in, in story from there, the yeah. following year. So. <laughs> it's it's a very common story at the moment. Every time I talk to people, and it's it's so so often I speak to people, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, you know, we we first put it in two thousand nineteen, and then we put it back now." It's like you don't even need to talk about what happened in between anymore, do yeah. you? What's the plans after? I assume this is sort of yeah, you've got the new woman, um, new yeah, new woman from theatre studio space coming up, um, in a few weeks' time. Are you already looking ahead from there, or is it just go see what happens in that run and decide afterwards? Well, we have an amazing producer, Becca, who's working with us on the show. And I'd say Becca's very ambitious. And I think you and I join her in those ambitions. So definitely we hope that the show will have a life after the studio at the New Wimbledon Theatre. And we're kind of open to 
seeing where it goes. We obviously don't have anything set in stone at the moment. I think we want to really focus on creating this piece for this space um, and kind of bringing it to life. But definitely we're hopeful for the future of the production. And I think it has a lot of scope and potential and um, is something that could move into different spaces, different cities as well. I don't think just because she's the Battersea Bardot doesn't mean her story wouldn't resonate with lots of people um, kind of around the country. But yeah, nothing, nothing certain yet. But I would say I'm not, I'm not going to let this go. Having got this this far, you know, <laughs> it, it, and one of the joys about it being a one woman show is that it does mean that we can do more stuff with it more easily and take it to places and slot it into places that that wasn't my primary consideration when I made it a one woman show, but it's definitely a bonus. Right, just to remind people, so this is um, Batsy Bardot coming to the studio. I never know if it's New Wimbledon. I used to call it New Wimbledon Studio, but I've noticed they've changed it to Studio at New Wimbledon Theatre now, so I'm never quite sure what to call it, just to confuse me. Um, anyway, it's coming to the studio at New Wimbledon Theatre, which is a really, in, it's a lovely black box space, isn't it? It really is. You say you went there, you've just been there, yeah? Yeah, yeah. we just went to see a production. I just really wanted to see the space in action. And it just... I don't know, it feels like it has real character to it. It's it's definitely what I it's definitely what I see as a, a nice traditional black box space, which is quite interesting when you think what what it's above. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, good. I it's it's nice and they do like they do some interesting stuff there. Um so anyway, 14th to 23rd of September. So Batsy Bardo is the show. So let's just just to wrap things up, last chance just to remind us what it is that we should be coming to see on those dates in September. Well, it is a one-woman musical which tells the story, the tragic, exciting, exhilarating story of Carol White, uh, who was a 1960s British actress who found herself very suddenly at the centre of all sorts of exciting, dramatic things going on in the entertainment industry and got pulled into Hollywood and then found that Hollywood can be a bit of a nightmare. Um, it's exciting, exhilarating, and it is hopefully very, very moving. I think Ewan's put it perfectly. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a, a brand new piece of work, um, a new musical that really captures a really exciting time in British history and is based on a true story of a woman that I think a lot of us will never heard of and not know her story so yeah it's a chance to see some new work learn about this woman's life and hopefully have a really joyous time and that, as Ewan says also be moved and um, yeah feel really connected with this character. And it does. It, it to me, it feels like it's even though I say this. This is a story based sort of many years ago, before some of us were even born. I won't mention who out of the three of us. Um, but um, it does feel like there's still relevance today, doesn't there? So I think there still feels like there's a relevance in how we eat. Yeah, you know, we eat up and spit out sort of mm. actors and, and and performers and that now. So it, it feels like there's still a relevance to this today, doesn't there? Yeah, there's definitely a relevance like on a personal level with 
with Carol and kind of her individual journey, um, I definitely think the industry has maybe not changed as much as we would all like it to have. And I'm sure a lot of people experience quite a similar thing to Carol. And I think also in a wider context, there's there's a lot of things that would still resonate. A lot of the work that she did, um, as you were saying earlier, kind of about homelessness, that's definitely an issue that um, I think is, you know, really present within our society and something we perhaps don't address enough. And then also Carol had a really kind of complex life in terms of her relationship with like drugs and alcohol and um, suffering from kind of abuse in different ways. So I think there's a lot of wider social issues that the story addresses, but it's also like opportunity to be transported back to the 60s and that kind of magic Hollywood glamorous time in history. And there's something really magical about that. Um, so Lizzie, you and thank you so much for your time. As I say, we'll put all the information up on the website, all the dates, and the booking links to the um, uh, ATG website. Actually, isn't it New Autumn Theatre? All that will be up on the website. Say so, thank you so much for your time. It's been really enjoyable, and say good luck with the show in a few weeks' time. Thank you so thank much you. for having us. Thank you. It's wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to share our podcast if you enjoyed it and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.